Welcome to The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. know what to eat. We're talking about nutrition on today's episode of The Lisa Show, a topic that is almost inseparable from body image thanks to the diet culture-soaked world we live in. But before we start, I just want to say that this can be a really sensitive topic. It's so easy for a conversation about nourishing your body to become distorted into perfectionism and black and white thinking. But in case you're just joining us and you haven't heard our earlier episode in this series where we dove into more disordered thinking and eating, go listen to that first. Because all of us harbor a certain amount of disordered thinking when it comes to food. And there's a lot of overlap in these topics. But this episode is focusing more on the lighthearted figuring it out, on how to make peace with food in a world that uses food anxiety as a weapon. You're going to hear me talk about some of my own anxiety about food, particularly one food that my child eats. More on that later. So with that disclaimer, let's talk about food. If you've tried to educate yourself recently on what to eat, it's rough out there. There's fad diets. There are a lot of rules. There's protein and lots of it, none of it, and cutting out food groups. And I've been told the food pyramid has gone away. I'm not quite sure what replaced it. And everyone's got their own school of thought. So how do you know what to eat? My son eats a lot of Flaming Hot Cheetos. And I am really worried about it. I don't want to food shame anyone. And I've sort of had the attitude of like, I'm not anti-snack at all. I love a good nacho cheese Dorito. But, you know, you introduce a food to a kid. You, you try to teach good basic nutrition and different ways to eat vegetables and protein and offer them lots of different choices. But what if they just choose Flaming Hot Cheetos or Flaming Hot Cheeto Puffs? For variety or flaming hot cheeto fries, you know, just to mix it up. It's like not the kind of variety I had in mind. Um, so <laughs> when we're talking about nutrition, what happens when you are met with an extreme or what happens when everything that you've tried doesn't really work? In this episode, of course, I'm going to invite a conversation with other moms for the Council of Moms. I'm also inviting in an intuitive eating specialist and a nutritionist to get to the bottom of figuring out what I'm supposed to eat. Now, by the end of this episode, I'm hoping that I'll come up with a method, a tool. I don't know. Maybe my own thing. Does my son need to change his eating habits or do I just need to open up my own bag of nacho cheese Doritos and leave him alone? I don't know. Let's get into it with the Council of Moms. This is too good. We got to record this. Okay. Welcome to the Council of Moms. We're already in the middle of talking about how we cannot allow low-waisted jeans to come back in style. <laughs> and here with us today in the Council of Moms is... Emily Spencer. I am a mother of four. Most of my kids have flown the nest. I do have one at home. And I am also a registered nurse. I work with families that have children with mental health disorders. Josephine Bills. I have three girls. I'm a PE and health teacher. I do also modeling and acting. 
I'm Whitney Call, and I'm a writer-comedian with uh, three young boys, and we're just trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all in that boat, <laughs> We are. Oh, this is the best. Uh, we're talking about, like, what do you feed your kids? And I don't know about you, but I probably clocked in about 10,000 hours of talking about this with my friends <laughs> and, and over the 25 years uh, of parenting <sighs> that I've done of, like, well, they won't eat this. Now they're eating this. What do you guys do? I'm bored of what I'm feeding him. And I know that I'm not alone Mm. in all of that. And uh, so uh, what is your approach to nutrition with your kids? It's for good or bad connected to how we see our bodies. Think back to where you were when you were your kid's age. Oh, yeah. And what you were eating, right? I mean, so, you know, I think that uh, in time, they'll learn, they'll come to value what they're going to value, and they'll discover the you know, the benefits um, from food or how it makes them feel or when when they have their own families and Mm -hmm. they all of a sudden are they're providing someone else's nutrition. Oh, that changes your whole approach. Try having when you're feeding kids feeding them soup. Good yeah. luck. Good, good <laughs> luck. My kids hate soup. Or when they too. say, I, really? I hate, I hate peanut butter sandwiches, I'm like, well, good luck being a mom then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's our lives, Better peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, the kids are also really good models of intuitive eating a lot of yeah. times, right? They, mm-hmm. they don't attach a lot of emotion to food unless they're at an age where they've already received kind of some of that messaging and modeling. They eat when they're hungry. They stop eating when they're full. Mm-hmm. They tend to just, you know, eat to get the energy that they need. And uh, young kids, I think, are, I think we could take an example from that. This is where I'm going to pause because intuitive eating has entered the conversation. We've talked about it on the show before, but here's a quick recap. Intuitive eating, capital I, capital E, is a system and method for establishing a healthy relationship with food created by a team of dietitians and used by thousands of coaches and health professionals worldwide. Saskia Carr specializes in this methodology and assists her clients in implementing the principles into their own relationships with food. We called her at home to get her perspective. And before we get into some of the principles, I want you to hear what she has to say when I ask her what there was to gain from intuitive eating. Best case scenario, what does it mean to have peace with food? And what does that mean in the larger context of a rich and full life? Well, yeah, first of all, I would have laughed at you if you had ever told me that I would have a peaceful relationship with food. In fact, but I probably didn't think it was that unpeaceful because I just thought it was healthy. But it really is something that everybody has access to because we are naturally intuitive eaters. So it's not actually something completely new. Like we were born that way. We've just unlearned how to do it. So we're re-learning it. This is the same thing our moms observed. Feeding ourselves is an instinct that we're born with. And in the ideology of intuitive eating, that's broken down into 10 principles. Recognizing your hunger, feeling your fullness, being present to your satisfaction in eating, turning a mindful eye toward 
every signal that your body is giving you and letting that be your guide for how you nourish yourself and not a rigid diet plan, which really never had wellness for your whole self as a goal. These are just a few of the principles, but mindfulness and honoring your body, your emotions are at the heart of it. And many of us lose touch with our body's needs and signals as we get older. But by intentionally applying these principles, it's possible to rebuild that relationship with food. Saskia experienced this for herself. And as a specialist, she sees that all the time in the lives of her clients. There are a lot of ways that you can start moving towards a more peaceful relationship with food. And that starts with giving yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods. Because when you spend so much time thinking about food in your body, the larger context is that when you stop doing that, you have more freedom and time, less anxiety, more access to joy, more spontaneity and less guilt and you feel less worried about what other people think about you. And of course, that there's a lot of like mindset work that has to go into changing that. But I think the biggest thing in the larger context is one of my clients recently said that she was just devoting so much time and energy to controlling her food and her diet and her exercise that she didn't even have the space to explore who she really was and what she was passionate about. And having this space now, she's suddenly been able to focus on new interests and opportunities and other things. And this confidence she has has kind of spread into other areas of her life. And the other thing I think it does for people is once you identify something like this, which really isn't serving you, then you start to look at all these other things that aren't serving you as well. And so there's a lot of personal growth that happens for people just when they start looking at this and then they think, oh, that's interesting how that plays into all other parts of my life as well. Because how we do one thing is often how we do many things in our life. So yeah, this is often the catalyst for people to look into other areas of their life and improve other areas of their life as well. This theme of finding more confidence and more joy after clearing out the space where anxiety and shame and trying to control things used to live, it just keeps coming back. And it reminds me a little bit of the swimsuit conversations we've had with Casey and Natalie in the book club and with Bryson in an earlier episode. It's a reminder that we stand to gain so much more than just a healthy relationship with food. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, this process of introspection goes further than just what we're looking at when we look inward. Dive into someone's relationship with food, we'll find out that, you know, they do like rules and that they are quite Uh black and white thinkers or that they really are perfectionists. There's a lot in it. In fact, one of my clients said to me the other day, I thought this was just going to be about food and body, but now it's like (laughs) everything's 
everything's coming out. Stop talking about my emotions and my parenting and my relationships. Wait a second. I want to just keep it compartmentalized. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot, you know, especially the rules. Like, give me, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and uh, to be healthy, to do it right. Yeah, exactly. And I want to do it right. Mm -hmm. So I guess I tell my clients that intuitive eating isn't pass or fail. And it isn't like a diet where you can do it a right way or a wrong way. It's really about a reconnection with your own body. But we, yeah, we're often working through in client sessions about getting more comfortable living in that gray area rather than in the black and whites. This concept of rules and black and white thinking is really interesting because in the conversations I had with the Council of Moms, rules came up a lot. For those of us who are parents, you know, we're in this position of always making, negotiating, and enforcing the rules in our home. And that has varying results and some less predictable outcomes when it comes to food. It gets pretty hard to separate what you perceive as your own personal rules with what you eat and your responsibility for what your kids eat. And maybe this is why it occupies so much headspace. It's hard to untangle perfectionism from our relationships with food and the anxiety that we have for the well-being of our kids. And I was really comforted by what other moms had to say about how they found balance in the gray area. I'm going to admit, I do have like those Italian sparkling waters <laughs> and I have oh, those syrups nice. though. Oh, Super yeah. high. Oh, yeah. But I know, right? But I'm like, because I don't want to be extreme where yeah. as soon as they leave my house and they're older, they're going to be like, oh, I never had this at home. So I'm putting all in now. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, you can only make your own soda like once a day. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. what your treat can be. And so they'll do it. And for me, I'm like, I'll take that. That's less sugar than what I would if I had bought a can of soda because mm. it's mostly water Smart. and they can just do a couple of pumps and we're good. Then it's a treat yes. and it's not what they're focused on. Yeah. Right. So for the longest time, actually, I didn't let soda in my house mm-hmm. because I was like, this is all junk. Yeah, <laughs> like, what no, are we doing? Either. And, then and I was terrified, then but I, I was like, it. oh, but now I need caffeine. <laughs> so that's coming to my house. <laughs> but I didn't want to be like, oh, that's good for me, but not for you. I didn't want right. to do that. Oh, yeah. I tried that. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. no. And so I, just, <laughs> I failed at that. I just done a way of they medicine. can have soda in their own way. Yeah. And even when we go out to dinner, I'm like, yeah, I get a root beer. So I'm so I'm not trying to be extreme, like you said. It's just moderation. Yeah, yeah. Because balance if you go and extreme, moderation. Yeah. You're, it's you're just goes the other way. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I've seen that of like no sugar, no treats, no yeah. snack. They go to the next door neighbor's house. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They come to my house. They go to my <laughs> house. <laughs> right? I know. Again, I'm not saying that I do it right. Right. <laughs> I was just gonna I've say something. <laughs> something that my husband um, talks about quite a bit, and this applies for young children is and just for toddlers those who don't know her husband's a pediatrician yeah sorry my husband who's a pediatrician um um with nutrition specifically for young children you uh should look at at measure it in a week's period of time Uh not what they necessarily eat day to day Uh because a lot of parents really get worked up on they just ate sugar all day or whatever, but it's kind of like, okay, look at it over the week. Were they able to get, <sighs> you know, some fruits and vegetables in there? Do you say the same and, thing about teenagers? Well, what could we? Should <laughs> we? we? Should we? we just look at it? Can, can we look at it over the weeks? <laughs> I was actually thinking that no, exact really. same thing, thinking that maybe we should, maybe we're measuring it wrong, yeah. that maybe we need to look at it more broadly, yeah. that 
not necessarily meal to meal to meal or day to day to day, but right. you know, is there some balance in there? Is Are they getting nutrition in different ways? You know, maybe not every food group for every meal yeah. okay, every so day. Okay, so you bring up a really important point because like, where do you go to get your good, solid nutritional information? Honestly, uh, I just go off of the Berenstein Bears and Too Much Junk Food <laughs> book. Okay. I, I love I Berenstein love Bears. That's a resource that we can all go to. I think it's just, you know, they have like the basic food pyramid that everyone says, oh, well, now it's upside down and now you shouldn't yeah. have that many yeah. grains and you shouldn't have, you know, and carrots are terrible and bananas. You may as well just have a Snickers bar. And I know. They said and I that. Want- there's so Listen, many people that say things like yeah, that. Like, extremes. Like, no. These are the extremes. You know, yeah. You know, they're extremes. Marie Kondo just admitted <laughs> yeah. that now that she has three kids, she doesn't really tidy. Yeah, that's anymore. right. <laughs> I never did. So I was <laughs> and Good. so I think, like, let's look at sustainability. Because yeah. I can go maybe I a week that. with, like, no carrots or bananas and we're just going to have oh. the, like, greens Kale? and stuff. I don't, I don't know, know, right? But what I do is, like— how can we make this work? I love the idea of a week yeah. because I feel like sometimes we have dinner. Guys, man, I don't even put vegetables out there most dinners because I'm just focusing on like, did they get any protein? Right. Did they fill their body? But this book actually with more than a body was such a game changer for me because yeah. now we've been doing this thing where we leave the vegetables out before dinner. Yeah. And there's one child who will not tip. eat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He won't He won't eat them, but he's okay with being hungry. The other two will just start snacking yeah. on snap peas or on carrots or things like that. And honestly, I'm just like, whatever's in the produce section that my kids will eat. I will Just get that in droves. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll take that. For sure. I still keep candy at my house. Like we have the Halloween candy. Oh yeah. But I just put it out of sight. Yeah. Right? So they don't oh, think yeah. about it. Out of sight, but out I'm of not mind. saying no candy in my house. But when they say, can I have a second my yeah, you can have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm oh, not restricting that. Yeah. I mean, it's that's out of great... sight, but they know we have it. So if they ask, I will give it to them, but they don't crave it all the time. Because they're like, Oh, it's there. Yeah. I know I can get it when I need it or when I want it. So yeah. just also creating that balance as well. Yeah, I love that. Do you think that the messaging that we get about nutrition is getting better or worse? Mm. It's getting society. it's getting more. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Going into this conversation, I had forgotten about the Berenstein Bears, and I'm glad Whitney brought that up. But when I sat down with nutritional scientist Michelle Menden, who spends a lot of time researching what we eat, how we eat, really an expert at looking for this kind of information, I was hoping that she could shed more light on sources of nutritional advice. No offense to Mama Bear. How do we know what's legitimate? I get overwhelmed even as a scientist. That's why I went into this is because originally I was overwhelmed. I was trying to find all this information. I wasn't feeling great. I found I have intolerances and allergies. And like that process dove me into the science of it. But not everyone has the time for that. And so if you're looking for something quick and easy to figure out is like start with your basics, like fruits and vegetables, grains, protein, and some dairy. If you're getting decent quantities of those, that's a good place to start. Those help bring in satiety so you can feel full during your meal and then full longer because of the fruits and veggies that you're eating. It's okay to like not know everything. It's okay to not eat perfectly. It's okay to like not do those things. (laughs) This is so reassuring to hear from a scientist. (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's overwhelming. But as long as you're starting to try and be aware of it, that's where you can start making small changes. And I think that's where the most change is made is through those small things like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to eat an extra apple today or I'm going to eat some chicken to get some protein. Like, those things are fine. Eating a donut because you want something sweet like that's totally fine these things they're food there's nothing good or bad about them it's just food it's just food you know it was really interesting to hear this from michelle who studies food what we eat how we eat and finds the best information about nutrition and this idea shows up in intuitive eating as well we're supposed to reject the food police right good and bad foods don't exist it's just food and having a healthy relationship with food means resisting that black and white thinking so instead intuitive eating recommends using gentle nutrition to nourish our bodies with that in mind, I really wanted to ask Michelle about the food pyramid. It came up in the Council of Moms. I'm vaguely aware that it's obsolete and people make fun of it. But so if we're not using that, what's a good reference in nutrition? We actually use my plate now. I don't know if you've seen this. Instead of a pyramid, they've transitioned to a plate and it divides it up more into portions instead of saying you need this much of this, this much of this. Okay, so, so what's on the plate? So you've got your fruits, your vegetables. That takes up about half of your plate. You've got grains and protein take up the other half. And then you've got a cup that says dairy. Okay. So this is kind of... This is kind of the basic recommendations right now is kind of they're using that just to try and promote getting a little bit more balanced of all of the things. Everything's super personalized and super individual what your body needs. So that's where it gets really tricky. Michelle talked quite a bit about this weird dynamic in food information. So on the one hand, you have this rapidly evolving science, the facts, the recommendations, and they're getting better all the time as we get more information. But on the other hand, science is broad. So this research is done on a general level. So these recommendations reflect average values across millions of data points. So while there's good advice out there, it's still generic. It doesn't reflect the individual needs and quirks of how how your body reacts to different kinds of nourishment. So at this point, I had to ask her about my teenagers because obviously I'm not in their bodies, but I'm still providing their food. So how does that work? If I look at my kids and see, okay, they're not eating a lot of vegetables or they're not eating fruit and they're front loading a very spicy fluorescent snack that's really bright in a color that doesn't occur in nature, am I making a moral judgment on the way that they eat? And what do I do? In those situations, that's tough because they are their own person. So they might down the line start to realize they don't feel so good from just eating that, you know? And that's something that as a parent, the best thing you can do is, is just helping them have food choice is awesome. I think that's so good. And helping them, like asking them what they would like to eat for for meals. Mm -hmm. Asking them, okay, I'm looking at this and this, which one would you like to eat? And where they have choices, then it's, okay, how is that making you feel? Are you feeling okay? Yeah. Try and bring attention to like, these foods are going to affect you. How is that going to affect you? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling energetic? They're probably going to be like, they're a teenager. They're going to be like, I feel fine. I can do I what I want. <laughs> See, you get it. <laughs> yeah. So like. I feel great. I feel awesome. <laughs> but inside, maybe they'll start to realize like, oh, maybe I don't, you know. 
You know, Michelle said this, and it reminded me of something that Josephine described from her family's dinner table, helping kids to develop mindfulness about their bodies and giving them choices. And so I know my husband would be like, oh, if you eat green beans, how do you feel? Like, he's done a really good job because he has all girls. And I've been like, you can't say certain things because I don't want them to have that. So he always thinks he's wrong, but he's not. He just <laughs> has a fear of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. But he'll be like at dinner, like, oh, what are you eating? Like, how does that make you feel? And has Aww. all these vitamins and things. So again, it's that teaching moment, but I, we do it with, with food. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's a very big thing of like what I put in my body is how I'm going to feel. Hearing other moms talk about this gives me a lot of hope. So during the production of this episode, I figured that I had to try to implement this in a new way. Like, here I am, not buying the Flaming Hot Cheetos as a matter of principle, But what if I make them available? Maximize those choices. Make those Cheetos so available that maybe he'll regulate himself. So I did that. I went to the store and I bought the biggest bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos, the Puffs, on the shelves. And I didn't stop there. You know, my kids love these sugary juice cocktails with lots of different you know, flavors, and it's just all sugar. Anyway, it's not important. But into the basket, I walked up and down the aisles, and I was like, oh, they like this. I'll buy that. Here we go. And it looked a lot brighter and flashier than the raw ingredients for the food I was going to make for them, you know, that they don't eat. And I just filled the cupboards. I had to ask Michelle, our nutritionist, about this experiment because, well, here's how it went. They didn't say anything or notice, and it was just all gone in one day. Like, oh, my gosh. In one, <laughs> in one sitting. And I was like, did you notice that I bought you your treats? And he was like, oh, yeah, thanks. That was cool. And I was like, wait, they're gone? And he's like, yeah, they're gone. I'm like, that was eight servings. He's like, yeah, it was great. Like, not like, I feel gross, and you are right, Mom. <laughs> nope, it was. No, nope. I feel awesome. Was, I'm so I, happy to have eaten all the things that I wanted to eat. Yep. Eight servings of puffs and eight servings of juice. Great. In one sitting. That was your meal. And I feel like as a mom, I felt like oh, I have facilitated this. But That's at the same hard. time, I thought, well, I don't know if my experiment worked or failed. <laughs> I can't even tell. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't. I honestly, like, I don't know. Like, right? I, because at that point, like, you know, okay, they need to be getting more of this and this. Yeah. Because that's going to provide them necessities for their body mm-hmm. to grow and feel good. And, you know, they need these nutrients. But at the same time, they're not willing to eat those things. Yeah. I made a great Sunday dinner and it had all the food groups and I made this like glorious salad that had all the things in it that I like, you know? Yeah. I mean, it just had everything in it and you can pick it out if you don't want it or whatever. I was, and they were like, oh, we're not hungry. Yeah. This huge, like this nice you did this roast thing. and rolls, you know, that yep. kind of stuff. It's hard not to sort of like moralize that food of like, yep. wait, but that can't be the way to eat. Yeah. But at the same time, forcing them or like, what's the alternative? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so maybe it's not just, maybe it's not just juice and, and chips that you buy, but you start buying a little bit less like considered like quote unquote 
healthy foods. Yeah, yeah. Right? So they don't look at it and go, oh, that's healthy, (laughs) gross. Right? But the choice is on them. And they're going to be more invested in what they eat. And so if you're giving them that choice, that's all you can do. I might have thought a nutritional scientist would have a different take on this. It actually really surprised me. If anyone out there could confirm my deepest fears about the flaming hot Cheeto dust being radioactive and made of bicycle tires, right? Like surely the scientist would be the one to sound the warning. But Michelle's advice reminded me of really what Saskia shared, our intuitive eating expert, who told me about her own journey, going from inherited disordered thinking to embracing principles of peace with food and how it really affected the way she parented. Saskia saw the way her own relationship with food was affecting her family. And by making a change, she broke that cycle of childhood diet culture in a drastic way. I remember when my daughter was really little, my husband would bring home something really sweet and I would be like, why did you get that? Why would you let her have that? You know, she's already had this thing and that thing. And there was just a lot of stress and tension around food. So it's very different now. There are no strict rules about food in our house. There is no food that is restricted. We don't talk about food in good or bad categories or healthy or unhealthy. So I think it's changed my parenting a lot. And there is a sense that she is empowered because of course, she's going to go out into the world one day and she's not going to be in my house anymore. And she's going to have access to all this food. And I want her to feel calm and safe around that food. Do you ever get the feeling that the universe is trying to tell you something? You can probably hear it on my behalf at this point. I'm almost scared to count how many times Flaming Hot Cheetos is mentioned in this episode. Please, nobody count it. Don't send it to me. And everyone from my community of moms to a mental health and feeding expert to a nutritional scientist and researcher, everyone is saying that the solution is just for me to let it go. Earlier, we mentioned perfectionism. Um, And even just playing back all of those conversations, it stands out to me how all of us are just trying to remove labels like good and bad from our vocabulary about food. Like a side effect of diet culture is that we attach morals to the way that we eat. Like the idea that maybe there's a better way of doing something can spin so quickly into, there's only one way to do this right. And that's a message that the media definitely sends us, that your self-worth relies on how hard you grind towards a gold standard no human being could ever achieve. Health really shouldn't be a moral conversation, but we're inundated with societal attitudes about food that make it a moral conversation. The right and wrongs of the way of life are very much tied in conversations about health right now, and we often assign moral judgments to people that we deem unhealthy. As a person of faith, I do believe that there are some parameters for living a good life. We're all trying to do our best, right? Things like loving your neighbor, for example. You know, it's on me to do my best with all of the information that I have to live a good life, but it's grace that gets me (laughs) through everything. And I also believe that those choices aren't what make me good. And my self-worth isn't dictated by my choices. And the love I deserve isn't dictated by any of that. My worth isn't contingent on what my body looks like or even what it's able to do. 
I'm committed to this long game of overall health and living a good life. I want my teenagers to be empowered in their decision-making, right? I started this episode hoping for a resolution to the anxiety that my kids are eating the wrong type of food and I'm the only one who can intervene. But the only thing I can actually do is support their journey, which is the same one I'm on. I mean, the same one we're all on. And I don't want them to think that their self-worth is only tied up in their health, which is the message we often get. We're not having discussions about, you know, the moral character of our children as much as we're having conversations about their health. With the Council of Moms, we unpacked some of this together, including how we've gotten over some of that impulse to sort of compare what we're feeding our kids to what the other moms are doing. And as we started to talk about grace a little bit more, the conversation turned so quickly to joy and how food can contribute to that. I think what's what we get caught up in is the pressure that moms feel to have this heightened sense of nutritional value of everything their kids are eating and Mm -hmm. that it's okay because I think if we just kind of come back again to that balance to just kind of making sure that we're exposing our kids to different kinds of foods that they're having opportunities to eat fruits and vegetables things that are healthy do what works for you I think that's really what we're it comes down okay, to. We're going to be okay, you guys. Yeah. We're going to be, be all okay. Right. Make it. Yeah. Young moms especially are doing so much better than we did. I know. You I guys really know. are. This <laughs> stuff that's happened to us will not even happen to no. you. No. That's <laughs> a dirty fine. lie, Lisa. I know. <laughs> Just don't think well, about it. <laughs> even, even for me, as they say all this, I'm not perfect. There's one oh, day my course, kid yeah. just cried for hours, and I was like, you know what you want? Let's get a milkshake yeah, and french fries from McDonald's. Oh, yeah. I do that. And you're like, wow, you're happy? Look, french fries, I will feed you cereal and Fruit Loops. You're going to be sugared up for bed, but it's fine. There you go. That's what you want. Well, you know, and on some of those days, that is the right choice only because it's the difference between that and nothing or whatever, you know, because our conversation is a really privileged one. We're not worried about like food scarcity like a lot of moms are. We're not worried about food restrictions. A lot of people have allergies. They have sensitivities to different things and Mm -hmm. that's a whole other and that's why you time. can't judge other no. moms yeah, for what they do because totally. if you're, they're like, oh, well, my kid gets a whiff of a peanut butter or something yeah, like that, or there, is a, or, there is yeah. a real problem. And, yep. and so, yeah, it is a real, you know, privileged way to be able to look at it. And so for we've sure. got to give each other and ourselves a little bit of grace mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like a, a very joyful way of looking at food sometimes that I'm really... I think when I'm in a good mindset, not a good, when I'm, when everything feels balanced, I guess, I was reading this book, uh, Enjoyment in the Age of Addiction, and it just talked about how, um, you know, when we get like so much, so much, so much, so much, that actually like, it, it's not at all about like how, how healthy, how, how fit, how whatever. It's more just, are you enjoying it? Mm-hmm. And I, like, I grew up I in a house that. where there was always candy. It was just, we always had a stash. Like my friends would come to my house because they were like, my mom doesn't let me have this. <laughs> but it was also one of those things where I was like, I could eat this all the time. But now it's really fun on days where it's just like you're saying, yeah. we're just having a crappy day. And then it's like, why don't, we, why don't we just eat some ice cream? Yeah. And it's not like I'm saying, oh, that means you should never eat ice cream right. unless it's really, really like worth it or something like that. It genuinely is just like a mood booster. And you're just like, we can enjoy this together. And yeah. because we've been used to like trying so hard to make this work, then when you give yourself that break and then everyone's able to be present. And I feel like those are when our synapses are connecting yes. and just like, this is a that. memory that I love. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I got a lot out of putting this episode together. One thing that struck me repeatedly as we had all these different conversations was that our in-the-trenches moms just doing their best, we're finding a lot of the same conclusions that the most cutting-edge nutritional and mental health science confirms. The instinct inside us that says, hey, just feed yourself, feed your kids, the rest is gravy, yes, pun intended. That voice is worth listening to, and it can take us past the hot Cheeto anxiety and the comparison and the perfectionism and back to a place where food serves us and fuels our joy. Now, if you'll excuse me, there's a bag of nacho cheese Doritos with my name on it. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio, hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by Becca Hurley and McKay Menden, with help from Kaya Dibb and music and post-production by Josh Fouts and Sam Clausen. If you heard something you liked in this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you want to help us grow, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can join our listener community on Facebook or follow us on Instagram for more content and behind the scenes with Lisa. 